This is a Diet of Brussels. What's happened in the first six months since the referendum? It's nearly Christmas. Uh, I'm starting to think about a bit of a break after what's been a very busy year. And I guess you're doing the same if you're one of the people who regularly listens to this podcast. It's a useful time, I think, just to reflect on the year, since everyone else is doing that, see where we've come since that vote on the 23rd of June. For me, the the basic dynamic is one of shock, really, in both sense of uh, the word. On the one hand, we've had this amazing disruption to the British political system that uh, we've had a change of government policy and indeed of strategic direction in the country that uh, has has rightly been pointed out by colleagues. This is probably the first time uh, in a very long time that the UK has stepped away from an international organisation uh, rather than being in there uh, trying to make them work and trying to shape and uh, affect that burgeoning international system. You've had changes to political parties, uh, most obviously with the replacement of David Cameron by Theresa May. You've had uh, new leaders of uh, UKIP, more than one. Uh, You've had uh, a uh, leadership challenge against the Labour Party. You've got this massive rupture in the way that the political system has operated and will operate in the future. You've got the creation uh, of new uh, ministries uh, and departments in the British government, uh, most obviously the Department for Exiting the European Union, but also this new uh, Department for International Trade, under Liam Fox. You've got uh, a reawakening of uh, Scottish independence, uh, which is uh, something that had looked to be uh, sort of dead for uh, a decade or more uh, in the wake of the 2014 independence uh, referendum, but which uh, Nicola Sturgeon has managed to put back on the table. You've got a questioning of the status of Northern Ireland uh, and the situation of the Good Friday uh, agreements. You've got uh, constitutional challenges all over the place, whether that's in the courts or in Parliament, uh, or more generally in the uh, public order. And a big debate going on about whether we've now reached the end of parliamentary sovereignty and we're now in an age of popular sovereignty. But we've also got shock in the other sense of the word, which is shock in terms of people being transfixed by the headlights of Brexit. That six months on, and you know we're not actually technically at six months on, but the chance of anything happening in the next four days are uh, close to zero, uh, given what's happened uh, so far. We still don't have a formal notification of Article 50. We don't have a plan that is published, although we now promised one in the spring. We don't have a set of objectives beyond getting a good deal for Britain. Um, We don't have uh, a timetable that is definitive and absolutely fixed and guaranteed about what uh, might happen. We have 
uncertainty about who's responsible for what in government. Uh, is it the three Brexiteers, uh, so uh, David Davis, uh, Liam Fox, Boris Johnson, are they in charge of Brexit? Or is it actually Theresa May, and it probably is Theresa May, uh, in these uh, negotiations? We simply don't have any of those things happening. Now, I think that re shock really reflects the, the shock that comes from uh, before, which is that really nobody prepared for this outcome of that referendum back in June. That uh, partly that was uh, a matter of political calculation, that David Cameron didn't want to be seen to be preparing for losing because that then it looked like he wasn't confident of the result. Uh, and certainly talking to civil servants, they were told that they shouldn't discuss it, they certainly shouldn't write anything down because then freedom of information requests would... Uh, pull it all out into the public domain and that would be even worse than uh, doing something in public, uh, doing something in private. But even the stuff in private doesn't really seem to have happened at all, that whilst there might have been some uh, intellectual noodling in uh, private corners of people's minds, that didn't actually translate into uh, a plan to hit the ground running. So uh, the British government wasn't prepared, uh, the Leave campaign were not prepared, uh, as seen by their almost instantaneous fracturing after the uh, result became clear. The changes in leaders haven't really resolved anything. Uh, that uh, We've got, uh, most importantly, Theresa May coming in, but coming in as a Remainer, but who is going to prosecute and pursue uh, Brexit, uh, because Brexit means Brexit, and that's really the depth of all she has at this stage, is that she uh, acknowledges and will respect the results of the referendum, and she will achieve something that means that the UK leaves the EU. But beyond that, there really isn't anything that's there. We look at the Labour Party, which had its leadership challenge, uh, with its two unity candidates attacking uh, Jeremy Corbyn, but again, no real resolution of Labour's position on Brexit uh, and a very half-hearted uh, effort uh, by the party as a whole. Um, you have Keir Starmer, who's doing uh, a lot of uh, useful work, but he is one man uh, without the party behind him. You've got uh, Lib Dems, who really reaffirmed their position as being the, the party of the 48. You've got UKIP, who reaffirmed their position as the party of the 52. Uh, as somebody put it this weekend, Labour looks rather like it's the party of the 0%. And uh, we don't see any uh, real uh, scope for that changing uh, in the coming months. But I'll talk about that in the next podcast. So we don't have plans. We don't have the personnel. These new ministries are still... Uh, up and uh, in the uh, developmental stage, recruitment stage. Uh, they're only starting now, ready to have regular meetings. There's still a question of what premises they're going to occupy in London. We have uh, a distinct lack of uh, trade negotiators, so the government is looking to either recruit uh, people from overseas or uh, to start training people up uh, internally, but that's necessarily a, a medium-term uh, kind of proposition. So we don't have the objectives, we don't have the plan, we don't have the personnel or the resources. Um, I think it's also important, though, to, to reflect a bit on whether this is true on the other side of the equation, on the EU27 side. 
the U27 were equally badly prepared for uh, this referendum result um, in a way that is completely unsurprising given that they've been unprepared for every negative referendum result that they've uh, had to encounter over the years uh, from other member states. But what you uh, have seen in the past six months is the EU27 really getting their act together. So you've seen that reflected in the establishment of specialist units in the Commission and the Council, uh, chief negotiators appointed, so uh, Michel Barnier uh, leading uh, that process. You've also got Guy Verhofstadt from the Parliament, which will be uh, involved in various ways. And really, that's actually been the main tussle has been uh, how much involvement will the Parliament have, because it needs to approve the deal under Article 50. Uh, but member states clearly are not going to let the Parliament any closer to the negotiating room than they have to. But uh, you've got uh, personnel and infrastructure in place. Uh, you've had the European Council this week, the, or last week, that agreed a protocol for uh, what will happen once notification takes place. So there is a procedural uh, agreement uh, between the 27 uh, about what they will do. Um, and also, uh, I think, a broad agreement about what they uh, will achieve. So the key principles being that uh, the UK should not have a deal that is any better than membership, or indeed as good as membership, that there shouldn't be cherry-picking that goes on, and that the four freedoms remain uh, uh, a package that you're either in or for or you're out of all for. Now, those things I think have been uh, fairly clear and notwithstanding the, the misgivings that uh, individual member states might have, that is the position that they are going to stick to, that their best chance of uh, getting through this and managing this is to stick to those kinds of principles. Now, uh, their problem is really, can they devote enough attention to this issue? I think one of the things that's been a common apparent in the last month or so is that actually the 27 have other things that they think are much more pressing uh, in terms of agenda points. Most obviously uh, the issue with uh, migrant crisis, uh, Syria, uh, still the need for Eurozone reform which remains very much a, a live political issue. All of these things are there and are not going to go away. Brexit looks relatively simple. It looks like an issue that's uh, going away from the EU rather than coming towards it, by definition. <coughs> and clearly, under Article 50, the 27 have a strong position that they hold the, uh, the whip hand in the negotiations, which is you know, how the system was designed. So their problem is going to be that uh, they might find that they don't really devote enough time to this. Uh, last week's European Council only had a 20-minute discussion on it, uh, and yeah, it's not really uh, the top of anyone's list of things to do. You know, there's kind of a lot of shaking of heads in disbelief uh, in other capitals, uh, but uh, it's largely for the UK to sort itself out. And again, uh, until the UK decides what it's doing, it's hard for the 27 to devote much more time to it, that they can agree what they like, but until they know quite where the UK is trying to get to, uh, it's really a waste of time. So, six months on, we're actually not very far along at all. We've kind of sorted out a bit of the procedure of what will come. 
we've got uh, the basic outlines of the personnel on both sides uh, in place. But the big sticking point really is the UK. The UK is uh, still very unclear about its objectives from this process. And uh, we see that reflected every time that Theresa May or her office say that there won't be a running commentary, that Brexit means Brexit, or uh, when Theresa May stands on a helicopter carrier and says she wants a red, white and blue Brexit. Now, uh, the sheer fatuousness of that statement, uh, the fact that somebody sat down in a meeting and said, oh yeah, that sounds good, gives an idea of the, the level that we're at. We haven't had a breakthrough in policy at this stage. Uh, and at the moment, it's still looking hard to see how we can have a breakthrough. Um, if in six months, nobody in the UK government has been able to articulate a clear vision of what uh, should be achieved, uh, that has uh, broad support amongst cabinet, then it's really unlikely that they're going to manage in the period between now and whenever notification happens. But now we're starting to think about what comes next. If you want to know more about that, then you can listen to episode 200, which is coming after this one, which is uh, what happens next. Have a good Christmas, and we shall talk again in 2017.